Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. How are we doing? Yeah. Doing all right? You, said, you seem excited today. I kind of like this. Um, Hey, guys, let's, let's get right to work today, okay? Grab your Bibles. Um, how many of you believe that uh, God wants to work in you today? All right? Um, he really does. And if you don't believe that he, he wants to work in you, uh, that's not going to stop him from it. Um, and so uh, I think we just need to buckle in here and, uh, and get rolling. And uh, so, so, Father, we just, we just pray that you would shower down uh, your wonderful affection on your people today. And we pray, God, that we would be a church that's actually motivated, not by anger, but by love. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, you would so fill us that we overflow and, uh, uh, your love onto the world. And so that's what we pray right now. And so, so do this um, as we encounter you and your word. And so we open our hearts to you right now. Touch every person, break every lie, remove every chain, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, first of all, before I, uh, I get going, I, I wanted to thank you all for the love that you poured out on me and my family as uh, we lost my father-in-law uh, about a week and a half ago. He went to be with Jesus. And so we're so thankful for that, that he's with Jesus. But a long, long, uh, over 10-year battle uh, with a very evil illness uh, finally took him. But uh, our hope is in the cross of Jesus Christ and that he is healed and healthy and uh, celebrating with Jesus now. So thanks for all the love that you've poured out on uh, me and my family uh, this past week. And uh, Jesus is still good even when it's rough. And so I just want to speak that out. And so there's, there's joy here. Um, the word that I have on my heart this morning, uh, I want to be very clear from the start that I'm not preaching this at you. I'm preaching this to me as well. Um, I need this as much as any of us here. And so can we, uh, can we just hear this? This morning, like, I'm throwing myself right in as usual. Um, this is not a, this is, a, I'm up so you can see me, not because I feel like I'm over you, all right? Um, and so this is a word that we need as the church, and I'll be the first one. I'm responding to the altar call now, all right? Not even given, but I need this as much. And so, so Jesus, put your target on me this morning. But I'm, uh, I, I'm here, I, I wanna talk about the central, importance of walking in the love of God. And I'm saying that um, in, in, in the risk of being repetitive, because I know that many of us are saying things like, why do you only talk about the love of God? Um, why can we never get to the meat? And that would be because the love of God is the meat. And if you don't know that, uh, you still need love of God sermons. And so here we go again. We, we got to drop another bomb, a love bomb. And, and we, we, must, we must be wrecked by it this time. And so um, we, I am not going to move our church on into something else before we possess and actually operate in the love of God. That's, that's called religion. That, that's called a moralism. But it's not the heart of the Father. Until we possess the heart of the Father, we have to go after it. All right? And so, so that's where I'm going this morning the central importance of walking in the, in the love of God. I think that many of our experiences with the love of God are like virtual reality. Have you ever put those glasses on? And for a moment, there's, there's a couple times where you, where you feel like, oh, wow, look at this world. 
It feels so good, but then we take them off and we go back to life. And I believe that the world that God wants to actually put us in is our, not virtual reality, but our actual reality. The reality of our everyday existence is we're full of the Father's love and then we're overflowing in it to the world. It's not just hit or miss here or there. And whenever I talk about the love of God, it's, it's, uh, it's like this one situation that I found myself in a few years ago. I was at a coffee house and I was ordering my drink and some lady came up and and uh, she came up really fast, like interrupted my conversation that I was having my order. And she goes, oh my word, Nathan Herndon. Uh, and then she wasn't looking for an autograph, all right? She wasn't, it wasn't like, she was like, so, so like, wow, I can't believe I'm seeing you. She, and I said, yeah, I said, I'm Nathan. She said, uh, I'm, I'm here with my friends. We were just having this conversation. We heard that you had passed away. <laughs> Has that ever happened to anybody? Is that normal? Is that normal? Um, that was a first for me, even though, although it has happened since, all right? Uh, <laughs> please don't believe everything you hear about me, all right? And I said, no, I said, oh man, what a horrible thing. She was staring at me weird. And I said, no, I said, I'm alive and well. And then she, she looked at me almost like she didn't believe me. <laughs> and I saw the look on her face. I was just like, no, no. I, and I, I moved around. I saw her friends. I waved to them. They all waved at me. They're all as confused as she is. And uh, no one's as confused as I am, though. And, and I said, no, no. I said, I said, for real. I said, I said, I don't know where you heard that, uh, but I would stop listening to them. Um, I am here, alive and well. And she stared at me, and I don't think I ever convinced her that I, I, I didn't pass. All right, she went back to her friends and stuff. And I feel like when, when, we, when we talk about the love of God, no matter how much we say God loves you because he loves you because he loves you, just because he loves you, you don't have to work for it, you cannot earn it, he loves you because he wants to. No matter how much we say that, it's like we stare at God, and then we kind of go back to our friends. Okay, well... <laughs> And it never really changes our destiny. It never really changes our narrative. It never really impacts us until we have to lay on the ground under the weight of it for a few hours and then come up changed by it forever. It's the love of God. And I really believe that this morning, I want to talk about the love of God, but I want to talk about the, the, the marking that God has on his bride to operate in his love and the extreme importance of the church actually living in the weight of his love. Um, I, I believe that there's two kinds of loves that God are, uh, is calling us to operate in these days. And there's one love that has been spiritualized in the church. And this is where it's going to get heavy. And I, I'm, I, I believe I'm speaking this in love. But I'm talking like as a dad to children saying, hey, guys, we can't keep going in this direction. We have to return to the heart of the Father. And that love is, is there's, there's this love that goes stealthily and is considered love sometimes in the church. And that is the love of Jonah. It's Jonah kind of love. Have you ever, ever heard of Jonah's love? Anybody? Well, and many of you know Jonah, if you turn to Jonah, the, the chapter four specifically, but the story of Jonah is that God had a calling on Jonah's life to be an evangelist, and he wanted to bring revival to a town called Nineveh. It's actually a city called Nineveh. Hundreds of thousands of people live there, and Jonah ran from God's calling. And Jonah sailed off into great distances and he's swallowed up by a big fish and he's vomited out at Nineveh and finally he goes and he preaches a message and the message is basically repent. You've got 40 days to repent. You know what happens in this very horrible city that everybody had given up on except for God? Is that starting with the king, the nation repented and they stopped eating 
and they put on sackcloth and ashes. And all Jonah did is was he walked through the streets of the town and he spoke this word. And I would say that it wasn't out of love. It was just he spoke the word. We actually find out the motivation behind his message as we read on. But here was the, the word that Jonah spoke. It was repent and then the people did. Now in, in Jonah chapter 4, here's what happens after the people have Repented. Jonah chapter 4, starting with verse 1, it says this, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. What, what displeased Jonah exceedingly? What made Jonah so angry? It's, well, that people actually listened to his message and started following God. See, Jonah, actually, let me continue to read on. Verse 2 says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew, listen to this, this is, this is whatever is, is at work in Jonah's life is at work in South Central Pennsylvania, okay? For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Why was Jonah running? Well, actually, he wasn't running from his calling. He was running from God's heart, we talk about Jonah being swallowed up and he's running from his calling. And then, and then we talk about him like going and revival breaks out. But Jonah's, Jonah's actually running from the grace of God, from the love of God. He knows that God is not going to give the Ninevites what Jonah thinks that they should have. He's going to be kind to them and his, and his love and his grace and his goodness. And so Jonah says, I knew you would do this. I knew that when I went to Nineveh that I would preach a hard message and they would respond and then you would forgive them and relent from disaster. Woo! If we would just be honest with ourselves and think about the people that we, we, maybe we've tossed the truth out to them and we've called that love, but in our hearts we really want to see them fall and fall hard. We, we, we look at different sides of the aisle, so to speak. We look at different neighbors. We look at people that we don't like very much. And we are okay with them hearing the gospel message. But something in us is excited if they actually get what they deserve instead of grace, instead of kindness, instead of love. And then what happens is, is in the church we spiritualize this and call it righteous indignation. <laughs> Righteous, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it's better for me to die than to live. This guy needs some inner healing. <laughs> and the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Now this is a question that I think that God is asking the church today. Why are you so angry? How's that working for you? Oh, you disagreed with somebody. They really ticked you off on Facebook. You, you lit them up on the comments. You talked, you talked to your ladies at Starbucks about them. You guys are all nasty, angry. You're calling it righteous indignation. How's that working? Are people being restored to the, the heart of the Father? Why is your heart so angry when you've been forgiven for so much? Is it going well for you, church? Is this really how the kingdom is? That you deliver hard messages so people will not have an excuse and get what they deserve? Is that how you were saved if you were? Is this really how the kingdom works? But what's happening in the church 
is this, we have a message of salvation motivated by anger against people rather than a message of salvation motivated by love for people. So we talk about why is love the meat and not just the icing? It's because love must be the motivation to our message or it's not kingdom. So we, we, we can toss out truth all we want. Are you guys getting this? We can tr- toss out truth all we want, but I want to say what, what God always says is, is he's not impressed by good theology, says Isaiah 29, 13. He says, you're saying all the right things. Here's my problem with you is your heart is far from me. You're bringing a message of salvation, but you actually want to see the people burn. This is not the heart of the Father. And so when Jonah was done preaching, he goes up on a hill and he overlooks Nineveh, to see what will happen. And I think that in these days, we have to be very careful that we don't watch the downfall of the world from our high and holy perspectives without being willing to enter into it in love. Watching, Watching from a distance and chiming in. The world isn't changed by critics from a distance. The world is changed by lovers on the inside. And this, this is the, the kind of world that God is calling us into. We, we've, got to stop, we've got to stop hiding our anger, calling it truth. And we have to start having a heart cry that says, Jesus, my heart does not beat like yours. I've been speaking, but it's not been in love. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. How do we grow? Well, we've got to have the truth. But the culture that the truth lands in is love. Have you ever had somebody tell you something true, but it was was done in such an insulting way that it never landed? And and the, the culture of our truth must be love. And I really believe, church, that God is calling the church out of angry love, Jonah-type love, into the the Father's love again. Who wants that? Anybody? I know I want that, guys. It's, uh, man, the, the contrasting Jonah's ministry where God still moved and, you can, and God will, will use us even when we don't possess his heart, but that shows his bigness and his grace. Our angry hearts are not to be celebrated. So we contrast Jonah's love with Jesus' love. And it's very interesting that I read about Jesus and nothing about Jonah reminds me of him. Except for the message that they had, Jesus' message was still repentance. But he didn't sit on hills and uh, eager to watch people burn. He sit on hills and cried over cities who were about to crucify him. (laughs) This is Jesus' love. In John chapter 13, we see Jesus' love, and man, where in the Bible can you go where you don't see it? But John chapter 13, Jesus' love is, is, is pretty beautifully on display. And this is, John chapter 13 is, a, is the Passover feast that Jesus is having with his disciples the night that he's betrayed by one of his closest friends. And before they have that Passover feast, um, Jesus takes off his outer garments, wraps a towel around his waist, and washes his disciples' dirty feet. Now, in days like today, where we drive our vehicles all around and we don't walk everywhere, uh, our feet are kind of a little nasty, uh, but aren't like super, super crazy dirty like they would have been 
in this day, and here Jesus is. This is the one who spoke everything into existence in the beginning. And here he is wiping stuff off of his disciples' feet. And what he says in, in John chapter 13, starting with verse 34, as he says this, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is something that's a, that was a crazy verse to me. And when I dug into it, um, I, uh, I, I got some good fruit out, all right? When you mine it, you, you get diamonds, right? There's all kinds of diamonds in here. There's all kinds of gold in here to mine out. I want to read this one more time, and I want to show you something. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, how many people know that, that before this in the Bible, in other words, all of these pages, the Bible still talks about love. And here Jesus is, and he's saying, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. Hey, is that confusing to anybody else? <laughs> it was to me. I was like, wait a second. No, this is not new. Jesus, you tell us to love one another all throughout the scriptures, all throughout. What is this new talk? And now the, the new talk is actually this. Don't stop right there. A new commandment I give to you that you are to love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. Now that's the new part. Never before did we have, were we able to see love on display until Jesus. Now Jesus is saying like what you've always heard that you're to, you're to love. Now I'm showing you what that looks like. I'm showing, I'm displaying with my life. Disciples, for three years, I've walked this out in front of you, and now I'm calling you. This is the newness. You are to love, but not your own version of it. Not, not in your anger. I'm exposing all of that. I am calling you to love, and now I, am, I have got the standard for it, and the standard is me, and it's new, and I want you to walk in it. In fact, the Bible, Jesus says, this is what I want the world to know of you. I want the world to see you and know that you love one another. So this new commandment is not love. It is love as Jesus loved. In the past, you could yell at others and say it's love, but now love is defined by the man who is it. In John chapter 15, verse 9 to, 9 to 13, Jesus says this, Oh, uh, well, actually, let me, let me read all of it. I only have a few parts of it here. 9 to 13, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus is doing what he's seen his, his dad do. Abide in my love. I want you to stay in it. You see that? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, I want to talk about that for a moment. This isn't a keeping of commandments for love. This is a keeping of commandments as a result of it. I'm so loved, I want to stay here. Your love is wooing me to obedience. This isn't trying and trying and effort and striving for it. This is I'm in it and I'm staying in it. I'm abiding in it. So I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the life that God wants for you to live, a life of joy. Am I losing you? Someone in the back just got it. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So here's, my concern is that when we're talking about the love of God, that, that our hearts turn off, not on. And I want us to really press into this because I'm telling you, church, as the, as the pastor of this church, we need love on, Matt, like big time. 
like, like old school love. We, we've got to turn it on. So it's, it is Jesus is calling us, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Love in the kingdom, friends, lays down lives for others. You know that? Love in the kingdom washes the feet of others. And this is the king of the universe washing feet. And that's what love looks like. It looks like sacrificing. I did a, a wedding here, and I stood right down here yesterday, and I did a, a wedding, first wedding here in this new facility. Wonderful couple, Carissa Brain. Now not Brain, now it's Carissa Riley. She married a wonderful guy named Stephen. And I had the privilege of marrying them yesterday. And what I always say to the men is, is, is men, here's what the Bible calls you to do for your wives is love your wives. And then I can do that. I'm good but as Christ loved the church. Now, this type of love looks entirely different than the kind of love where we can, we can define it ourselves. This is, this is the kind of love where you sacrifice and you sacrifice and you sacrifice and you, you see others and your betrayers get loved as much as your friends and you see the one and you cry over cities and you spend nights in prayer Actually, the Bible defines what love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this, that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Friends, like, this is, this is, this love is so vastly important in these days, and I believe that if we made loving, receiving the love of God, and then loving others as a result, if we made that priority, we would see the signs and wonders come. But I think that sometimes we love to be used more than we love the people we're receiving gifts for. So this is, this is what love looks like. It's patient, it's kind, it does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. And this is one that we need to eat deeply. Eat it, swallow it, process it. It does not insist on its own way or its own opinion. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I think many of us know a love that is based on uh, performance. And if you do it the right way, then I'll come to your church. But if I disagree with you, I'll leave meanly. And that's, that's, the, that's a lot of the love that I know. It's hard to be a pastor in these days. And that's a lot of the love that you guys know. You, love, uh, you, you know love with strings attached. But Jesus is clear on the kind of love that he's talking about. He wants the church to operate in the world where he is the source and the example of love. He wants the church to be known for love. You see that? He wants the church to be motivated by love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says that the love of Christ compels us. So what is compelling us to the nations? Love. What is, what is compelling us when, we get, when I get stoned to death, Paul says, why do I go back into the city with the message and the love of Jesus? Love has consumed me, the love of Jesus. What is the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus pulls in the second one because it's the natural outflow of the first one and love your neighbor as yourself. So when you get, when you get full of the love of God, you just 
spill out in overflow love for neighbor. This is the kind of love. And I really believing that, that in these days, the framework for our love for others is listen to this, listen to this. Actually, let, let, me, let me say it this way. That I want to speak this over us. That these will be days where we don't walk out of messages like this or services like this and we try hard to love. But we would walk out of services like this and we would get in our faces before God and say, God, give me your love. We, we have to drink in the love of God before we can give it away. So the framework of our love for others is encounter with Jesus's love for us. You know that? You know that? The framework for our love for others is not human effort and lots of trying and lots of striving. The framework for our love for others, what God calls us to do, he makes impossible to do in the flesh. What God calls us to do is only possible in the spirit. And Romans chapter five says that the Holy Spirit has poured the love of the Father into our hearts. And so, so what this relationship looks like and what the framework looks like is you have to know that you are loved by God and be full to overflowing of it, then you give it away. And if you don't believe that you are loved by God, and this is why it's the meat, not the icing. Or this is why, you know, not that many of us put icing on our meat. But uh, it, this is why it's the cake and, and not the icing or, or whatever. This is why it's, it's, it's at the heartbeat of the gospel message. It's, it's because you must know that you are in fact loved by God. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You've got to know that you're loved. You can't just try to be loved. It doesn't work that way. You, you can't just say, God, look at my obedience. Look at my sacrifice. Look at my effort. Look how hard I'm working. Look how early I'm getting up. Look at how I'm serving. Jesus says, love others as I have loved you. And Jesus wasn't trying to, to do. He was being and the reason the Bible, the, oftentimes the, these, these fathers of the faith call the church beloved is because beloved, let us love. Beloved, in other words, those of you who are under the weight of the love of the Father, let us love. You have to know that you're loved. This is, we can't run out of here trying hard. It's, it's not gonna last till the evening. We have to be wrecked by the love of God again. Or maybe for the first time, we have to know that we're loved. We have to be, be okay looking weird as God fills our hearts and satisfies our souls with him. So the framework for our love for others is encounter with Jesus' love for us. Love others as I have loved you. It implies that the disciples have encountered and experienced a love that's not from this world, but is from God. It implies that. Love as I have loved. Not just you've seen my example, but you've experienced in your lives. In the kingdom, love is received and then given away. Romans 5, I've already said this, but God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You, you cannot give what you don't possess. I'm not asking you to try. I'm asking you to receive and then be crazy and lovesick with Jesus and pour it out onto the world. I, I, I don't want to give you programs and step-by-step -step ways that you can see people. I want you to be so full of the love of God that you can't not see people. 
I don't want to say, hey, here's five people that you can see. Bank tellers and Walmart associates. and I, 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 want you to, I want you to be so full of the love of God that you see everybody. I want you to be the weird one at work. I want you to be the weird one Sunday mornings. I, I want this church to stop being dignified and be wild. This is, we, we have, what, when you are loved, you can dance. Do you know that so far, my girls, my daughters, have not gotten weird about dancing in front of me, and that's how I like it. I hope that's because they know that they are, in fact, very dearly loved by their dad. And when you know that you're loved by your dad, you can dance like a, like a, a child in front of him. And listen, in, in the kingdom, love is not desperately tried for, it is received. You don't work for Jesus's love, you belong to him and just are. This, and this message of the gospel, <laughs> has to break through the chains of religion in our area. In our area, you go and you act godly and you get angry at things and people call that Christianity, but Jesus cries over his killers. I know stories of, of people, there's, there's places in the world where here's what discipleship looks like for these churches, is that they train you how to share the gospel with, the, with your, your torturers as they have arrested you for worshiping Jesus and as they're taking you to be hung or beheaded or whatever they're about to do, that here's how to share Jesus with that 90-second walk. And that this isn't a joke. This is, this, that takes supernatural love. That is what across the globe, that's how churches are discipling their people. And here we are at, at a civil war in the church, <laughs> creating sides shooting at one another with attitudes and agendas, not even sitting down and talking to one another, missing the kingdom. If what drives you to obedience is fear of punishment, you're missing the kingdom. The, uh, 1 John four nineteen says, we love because he first loved us. Your love can't be a striving so God will see you and say, no, that's my boy. Your love has to, you have to just know that you're loved because you're loved because you're loved. What did I do to be loved? Nothing. Why am I loved? Because God is good. Well, how's he that good? Because he is. I don't, I don't make him angry. Well, Jesus took everything that did and now you're just loved and loved and loved. You're not, re God is not responding to your love for him. You're responding to his love for you. You don't work for it. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. You just are loved. It's a foreign thought that we're loved. It's a foreign thought that we can just be ourselves and be at home with people. It's a foreign thought. I was remembering this week about, there's a four year stint where from about 12 to 16, I, I lived on a farm with my stepdad and he was a farmer and he was only five foot seven, but he had hands that could crush you know, uh, anything. I, I thought I was very, very scared of him. I was taller than him, but there's no, I, I knew I couldn't take him. Uh, even when he pinned my mom against the wall by the neck, I, I knew I couldn't take him. Um, knocked her teeth out and all kinds of trauma from this guy. I watched him wrestle wild Mustang, Mustangs to the ground just, and then sit on them just to show them that he's the boss. And when he asked me to go pick a field of corn and he handed me the keys to the truck at 12, I did it. 
because I was scared of the man. <laughs> he, uh, he taught me how to shoot guns. Um, and he did a good job of it. I, I'm, I'm extremely good. But he said, and we used to end the, end the night, like I, I, would, I would just be like, I don't want to mess up for him. <laughs> like if I miss this target and I happened to, he, he taught me, like I, I took a 22, I could shoot lids off of oil cans and he would clap for me. And then we'd, we'd do clay bird shooting. He had this really cool gun. It was a 20 gauge on the bottom and then on top was a 22 Magnum and just pop a 20 gauge in there and you say pull and he pulls the thing and it fires off this, this clay bird and I would shoot it every time. It was, it was easy for me. And he would, he would look at me and be like, wow, you're a good shot. Try it again. Let's put two on this time. Bam, bam. Wow, you're really good. He'd call his friends over and say, look at my boy. Well, I wasn't his boy, but I sure liked the feeling of that when he talked like that. And so I kept shooting clay birds. I kept shooting lids off cans. I kept doing this. I'm like, wow, this feels good. I'm, I'm performing well. And every time I perform well for my stepdad, he, he likes me and wants me and doesn't talk bad to me. And he smiles at me. Wow. So my love for, from my stepdad is contingent on my ability to perform for him. And many of us have had parents like that, that if you come home with a great report card or you scored double digits or you got a triple double in your game or you scored a touchdown or you had an interception, your parents go wild with affection. But we only know shame and guilt when we are just being broken. And here, here, many of us, we've taken our experience in the world in a broken system and we've taken that into the church and actually made a theology of it. And so we're like, you better work for God and obey because when you obey, you get God's attention. Now, many of us wouldn't say it quite like that, but it's close. And we only know, like, we only know a love from the broken experience that we've had. But I wanna tell you, friends, that the love of God does not depend on how well you can shoot a gun. The love of God does not, is, is not, does not contend on how well you can do anything. God loves you just because he loves you. He does, not, he does not love you because he needs you to do something for him. He invites you into his kingdom and then he wants to set you loose just because he loves to see you loved and loving. This is, this, we, we, we must know that the kingdom doesn't operate on performance for Jesus, but it operates on the love of the Father and God just looks at you and he just loves you. Everything keeping you from his love has been disposed of at the cross and it is free game to love dad. I think the Christian, Christianity just looks like you hopping on your dad's lap and hugging and then him sending you out to terrorize darkness and coming back for more. And I want us to know this love. It's just that I, I, we, we cannot call ourselves a church if we have a theology that says we have to work and strive for the love of God. So this morning, I'm just wondering how many of us would love to receive God's love in a fresh new way. Wonder how many of us this morning would be honest for the first time that I've never been able to relax around Jesus. I've, I've always, I, I haven't been able to raise my hands in church because I didn't live perfect yesterday and I, I dare not raise my hands in worship even though I'm mesmerized by Jesus this morning because of what I did yesterday. That's called religion at its finest. Lifting holy hands to God, 
your holy hands are holy because of what Jesus did. He imputed his righteousness to your account. It's not because how you, what you did last night. It's you're loved as much this morning as you were ever. I just, this morning, here's, I wanna keep it uh, really simple now. And I just want some brave people that want to know God's love more than you want anything else to respond to God this morning by getting prayed over. This has been, this, a lot of ministry has been happening at Providence lately, just right here. And there's something about getting out of your seats and just coming that is, so, that is so good for your heart and so beautiful in the kingdom. And just coming and moving. You know, Zacchaeus climbed a tree. That was his altar call. You know that? Climbed a tree, got up in the tree, said, what, whatever you need to do this morning, friends, if you've been operating in anything other than the heart and the love of the Father, I just want you to come this morning and just be with Jesus right here and let people minister to you. Can you do that? You think you can? I know you can. Let me pray this into us. Heavenly Father, we just invite you and welcome you this morning to pour out your love and make it real to us. God, what we want, what we want is a real encounter with the love of the Father, with the love of Jesus. So God, we, we ask for it. We uh, walk into it. Lord, I, I believe that some of us have seen you running away, but really it's been us running away. We turn this morning, we stop running and we come to you and you've got open arms. And so Holy Spirit, I just, I just welcome you to come and just to do what you wanna do. Pour your love into the hearts of people this morning and uh, mess us up <laughs> with the most joy and the most acceptance we've ever known because of the good news of Jesus Christ. So we bless you, we praise you, we want you, we ask you just to minister and move in people's heart and lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church, be brave. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.